Hello and welcome to the Coaching the Whole Educator podcast. I'm Becca Silver, founder of The Whole Educator. In this podcast, I discuss with Dr. Hill G about what humanistic leadership is. We talk about why it is so important that our leaders strive to become more humanistic, as well as how you can do that. So stay tuned to find out actionable strategies and mindsets to help you continue to grow as a coach and a leader. See you soon. Welcome to Coaching the Whole Educator, the podcast that helps instructional coaches, teacher leaders, and school leaders. I'm Becca, former educator and school coach turned transformational coach of coaches. I'm on a mission to help you improve your educators' effectiveness and resilience, especially the ones who need it most. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and coaching mindsets so that you can be on top of your coaching game. Are you ready? Let's dive in. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey coaches, have you ever had a day you wish you could just duplicate yourself to save time? If your answer is yes, with the Sydney platform, you can complete all your coaching cycles, track goals, and connect your teachers with relevant resources all in one place. You can maximize your time and maximize your impact. As a special offer for listeners of Coaching the Whole Educator, Sydney is giving away an opportunity to use a Sydney coaching package for free for the remainder of the school year. Go to sydney.com front slash TWE to learn more and claim your free coaching package to start saving time. That's S-I-B-M-E dot com forward slash T-W-E or click the link in the show notes. Hello, 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 coaches and leaders. I am so excited to have a conversation with Dr. Hilji today. She was actually one of my professors and the architect of the master's program that I was in. It is called the Masters of Organizational Leadership and Learning, and she led a fantastic class, and the whole program is absolutely transformational, and it is at the George Washington University. So I want to introduce her and welcome her to the podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Becca. Thank you for your kind words. Yay. So I would love you to share with our coaches and leaders listening what you do in the world besides teach master students. Of course, I teach as an academic um, at a higher educational institution. My primary responsibility is teaching. And as you mentioned to the listeners, um, I designed um, the organizational leadership and learning program, and I was the director of the program for several years. I have uh, been a researcher for as long as I remember, uh, more than two decades. <laughs> um, and uh, my initial interest was globalization and its impact on individuals, organizations, and societies. So my research which is very much related to what I teach in the classroom, focuses upon humanistic aspects and responsible aspects of leadership. And I really do connect it back to uh, how we can address 
the grand problems that we face as humanity. For example, if you look at environmental degradation that we're experiencing or seeing around the world, rising levels of income inequalities, gender disparities, uh, high levels of poverty. And uh, based on my research, um, I believe that uh, we need to teach leadership differently. And uh, that's what I do in my classroom. And I'm also the founder of the Humanizing Initiative, um, uh, which is a research institute and a consultancy which really helps uh, organizations and individuals think about um, humanizing their leadership approaches and humanizing um, organizations to become more responsible and better citizens. Wow, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, and it's incredible. So the class I took with you was called Humanistic Leadership. Phenomenal course. And so humanistic leadership really spoke to me because I'm really committed as the founder of The Whole Educator to have educators be seen and treated as whole humans, right? Sure. And have their humanity and dignity centered in the way they're coached, in the way they're led. So I'd love you to share with our coaches and leaders listening, what exactly is humanistic leadership? I think um, um, I want to talk a little bit about the past and the present. And um, uh, the way I conceptualize humanistic leadership is in terms of where we are and what brought us here. And where we are in terms of how we lead, how we lead organizations, how we lead others, how we lead ourselves, is that we have a very economistic way of thinking. What that means is we're so focused on generating profits and focusing on um, efficiencies um, that we privilege them over human dignity, planetary well-being, connection, empathy, and really social and collective good. So again, I want to sort of make it clear that I'm not against generating profits or being efficient in the way we work. But I think my major concern is that if you think about leadership or life in general, in terms of a pendulum, and we've really swung the pendulum in one direction, and we're sort of holding it strongly in one direction. And that direction is you know, uh, favoring profits and efficiencies over human dignity, uh, well-being, empathy, and collective and social good. So we really need to move away from uh, an economistic way of thinking, and we need to let the pendulum go so that it can move in the other direction and settle where it needs to settle. What does that mean? Um, in my mind, when I think about humanistic leadership, I think about centralizing human dignity and well-being, Right. So any decisions or decisions that we make, oftentimes as leaders, we think about what decision or what course of action is going to lead to greater efficiency, greater productivity, greater profit, and human dignity and well-being is oftentimes relegated. But let's centralize human dignity and well-being. In other words, uh, when I think about humanistic leadership, I think about um purpose-driven leadership, one that caters to social collective goals. One of the things I want to highlight, you know, you, you keep saying this economistic, like a, a lens or a context, right? Versus humanistic. When we have that lens, that lens you're speaking of in schools, most of the time, that lens is student test scores. Mm. That's, that's our economy, 
a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, and we inadvertently centralize our attention on the student test scores because they're publicized and schools are you know publicly judged and ranked according to these test scores and forget about the humanity of our students and the humanity of our educators and the humanity of our leaders, right? So to, to put that in the center of, of what we're doing and not those test scores in the center of what we're doing in education. I think that's a great example. When you sort of single-mindedly focus on a certain aspect, then you end up ignoring a number of other aspects. And which you already mentioned is, you know, how kids are doing. I mean, their social well-being, how educators are letting go of so many important aspects of educating and focusing only on test scores and how that really compels a school principal to make certain decisions, which may not always benefit the educators and the kids in the classroom and the parents and so on and so forth. So I, I, I think it's such a good example of an entire system uh, when it single-mindedly focuses on efficiencies or economistic ways of thinking how it ends up overlooking what is really important to us as humans to thrive, right? So question for you. Um, One of the things we talked about in your class a lot was the context of effective leadership, Mm -hmm. talking about effective leadership. And you wrote this fantastic article, Effective Leadership, versus humanistic leadership. And I want to challenge that with you in this conversation right now. So I'd love you to share what's the issue with focusing on effective leadership. I think my article focuses upon how we can move um, from effectiveness to humanistic ways of leading. And um, personally, I do take an issue with effective because effective really defined clearly means achievement of goals. And as you've said that, most often those goals um, are very economistic in nature. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you single-mindedly focus on economistic goals, you end up ignoring social and collective aspects of what makes us human and what makes um, excellent organizations. In writing that article and in my own conceptualization and thinking, I think it's important for us to think about or centralizing humanistic way of leading. The other problem I see with um, the word effective, the way it's used in the society or within organization is what can be measured is actually good. And there are so many different aspects of our lives which are not always neatly captured in a box, in a number. Or another problem that I have with the way we define metrics, the way we measure them, is we focus so much upon short-term gains that we overlook long-term benefits that we may derive from focusing upon, for example, humanistic way of leading, because how do you measure dignity? How do you measure well-being? Yeah, one of the things that the pandemic did with, with schools and education in general is it really had schools focus on the social emotional well-being of students, of students. And I watch this happen and I th- I've been in, we, we call it SEL, it's <laughs> our abbreviation. I've been an SEL nut for years. 
when I was a teacher and this is way before the pandemic. And so I'm, I'm like, finally, people, <laughs> you're catching up, right? So it really has started to become normalized to prioritize in schools. Now, when I was presenting at a conference recently, I had a room full of school leaders and I want to check this out with you and, and feel free to kind of correct me in this moment. <laughs> um, I was, I was uh, teaching them how to um, help and empower stressed out teachers. It was 95% principals in the room. It was overflowing. Apparently, stress out teachers was an issue in that district. I kept giving them strategies and the why on how to communicate and empower these stressed out teachers. And it takes time. It takes time to do that. And they said, you know, we have all these things to do. How are we supposed to get all, all of our things done if we're doing these other things to help them when they're stressed out? And the thing I said to them, and I'd love your feedback on this, is I said, I'm not asking you not to be effective at your job because I know whether or not their mindset's about effectiveness, right? I said, I'm not asking you to not be effective at your job. I'm asking you to center your teacher's humanity and well-being on the way to effectiveness. So you're not losing that sight. You're just, you're actually getting there by focusing on their well-being and humanity. Was that accurate to humanistic leadership? Correct. But what I... I'm hearing from you is what I hear from a lot of leaders. There's only 24 hours in a day. How do I how do I do that? You're absolutely right. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's only, you know, eight hours at work, nine hours at work. Um, I think it's important for us to think um, what uh, how do we shift this culture where we prioritize people taking the time, um, you know, for social emotional well-being, or in my language, really caring about each other's dignity and making decisions or taking actions that promote well-being. And again, I think I keep coming back to this idea that we've really shifted the pendulum towards objectifying time and really erasing you know, the experience, the delicious experience of experiencing time, right? So I think at the end of the day, um, I don't know if we mentioned in my classroom, but in my mind, it's really about creating that balance where you can look at it as a commodity, but also look at it as an experience, right? So, and going back to my previous point that we need to create a culture, as we think about humanizing organization or humanizing cultures, I think we also need to consider how do we sort of create an understanding of time that is not only objective, but is also subjective. And I know a lot of organizations are also talking about how do we become more equitable? How do we sort of um, care more for well-being and dignity? And I think what COVID did is helped us become more aware of where we were. So sometimes you have to face a crisis in order to understand that the direction you're going in probably is not the best direction you should be going in towards. Yeah, it, it did. Uh, I think the pandemic really did change um, a lot of our perspectives on humanity in so many different ways, right? So I, I'd love you to share with the folks listening, if they're like, oh, humanistic leadership really speaks to me, 
how should I develop myself? What should I be focusing on as a coach and leader? How, what should I be focusing on developing myself in? That's such a good question. A joke. Join the organization leadership online <laughs> at George Washington University because this entire program, and I wrote a case study, a paper on it, which is published um, last year in Journal of Management Education about GW's OLL, uh, Organization Leadership and Learning Program. Uh, but other than that, I think um, uh, the first and foremost Leaders need to think about self-awareness, right? Uh, in terms of assessing who they are, where they stand, and how do they connect with the world? How do they connect and engage with others? And I think that uh, piece of self-awareness is easily talked about, but very, very difficult and challenging to accept because um, and I also know that self-awareness is not something that, uh, you know, you can complete then um, assessments and you're done. It's more <laughs> like a journey, right? The more you know, the more you want to learn. And I think that self-awareness is critical to understanding others as well or creating that other awareness. That would be my sort of um, number one or initial step towards uh, becoming more humanistic. And that self-awareness should also guide you to your own value systems, right? Remember uh, earlier in thinking about humanistic leadership, I defined it as purpose-driven, right? So understanding your own values, um, it's helpful because that would help you guide or develop a course of action. Thirdly, I would say that, uh, you know, in our society, um, Cognitive aspects, again, are favored quite a lot. They are privileged. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think we start need to start using our heart as well. So think about developing empathy and care for others. So if you're in a situation, stuck in a situation or making a decision, think beyond yourself. Think in terms of caring, connecting with others. And finally, I think um, if you're a leader yourself or if you're part of a small team, really engage in dialogues, which I refer to as dialogical inquiry, uh, which really helps you brainstorm ideas, just like we're doing right now, engaging in conversation, uh, talking about what is important, what's not important, how to move forward, how do we centralize dignity in this situation? I love that. You know, one of the things about our lenses and all human beings have lenses. So if you're listening and you're like, do I have lenses? You absolutely you do. <laughs> Everyone has lots of them. And what those lenses do that we see the world through is they create blind spots. And so there's actually, just like when you're in the car, there's when someone's in your blind spot, there is no way for you to see that car, right? That's actually our minds. We all have blind spots. So my philosophy is my my belief is that we need community. And I say we need coaches like we are leaders, coaches, everyone listening to this. We need coaches to help us see our blind spots. And if we don't, it is absolutely impacting the way we coach and lead period. I want to kind of bring this to a close. Um, one, one last question for you. I am curious, do you have any actionable 
practical recommendations for the coaches and leaders listening to this episode for them to, you know, once it ends for them to go out and concretely be able to do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, when I look at the educational sector, I think like other industries, it's undergoing um, significant changes. When I'm experiencing it myself in the higher educational sectors as well. So there's a lot of sort of challenges that we're experiencing um, in the educational sector. And I think we need to first and foremost become aware of those challenges, not only in terms of talking about them or debating that, but in terms of solving them, right? Um, So within this backdrop, I think leaders and coaches uh, should listen more and talk less, right? We live in a sort of society where Talking is overrated and listening is underrated, right? You don't understand the challenges others are experiencing unless you listen to the challenges they're experiencing, right? Um, So it's important to listen for leaders and coaches. It's important to listen to your clients, your stakeholders. You know, these are your parents, your your, your students, your teachers, and also communities, right? And, you know, based on that listening, develop a communication strategy that incorporates that. Secondly, I think it's so important in humanistic leadership is lead by example, right? Show respect, show dignity, show people, demonstrate to them through your decision that you care for well-being, right? And show empathy. Another important thing is walking the talk, right? You have to... Um, sort of make sure that you live by the example that you want to set forth. Um, And finally, I would say, you know, cultivate a sense of responsibility in your community. You know, these are some sort of practical recommendations. You know, and leading by example is you know, how, how do you as a leader and how is you, my, my school leaders, how are you treating your coaches? Right. And, and my coaches, how, and, and school leaders, how are you working with your teachers? Right. It's got to start from the top and trickle down. Right. Yeah. That's building community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you build community, not only are you helping them come together, but you're really helping them come together to solve problems they may have, or, you know, the problems that may arise in future. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think um, going back and connecting that idea back to social good and common good, I think is critical. Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Hilji, for coming on the podcast and sharing your amazing wealth of knowledge. I certainly learned even more just talking to you now. And I'm excited for um, our leaders and coaches to get this information. So after they have listened, if they're interested in learning more about your organization or finding you, where can they find you? Yeah, they can always email me and um, uh, you can uh, probably uh, share my email address. It's S-E-K-H-I-L-J-I at G-W-U dot E-D-U. You can also Google me or you can Google the Humanizing Initiative and you'll be able to connect with me through that. And thank you, Becca, for taking the time to talk to me. I'm always so excited to share this wonderful way of leading. And I hope it's able to create ripple effects because there's so much promise and, you know, in leading humanistically. Thank you. I will put all of Dr. Hilji's information in the show notes, including a couple of articles she's written that have really impacted me. 
And if you're interested in receiving training on how to become more of a humanistic leader, feel free to check out our new self-paced modules called the Whole Educator Foundations Package. Uh, We are putting our final touches on it. So if you check it out in the next week, you will probably have an opportunity to sign up for the wait list, which actually gets you a discount. And if you are listening to this a little bit later, um, you may be able to purchase immediately. So until next time, just remember, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. Take care.